Hey fans and subscribers, it's your host, not Joe. It's Gamers Generation, or some might call me Peter today. I'm joined by my friends and colleagues, CPPC Tech and Project SBC. Hello gentlemen, Howdy. happy holidays. Howdy, happy holidays. How you doing? Happy holidays to you too. I hope everyone's having a great time out there during the holidays. We have some interesting topics tonight. First, we have favorite technologies, including handhelds. We got some FSR3 frame gen talk, as well as leaks regarding that mod. And then we've got some Ryzen 8000 CPUs and Intel Meteor Lake discussions, as well as some recalls, RMAs, and other leaks after that. So let's start off with the mod. We're Let's start off with the mod regarding FSR3 and frame generation. I've actually been playing around with this mod, but I'd like to take it to my guest for tonight. What have you guys heard about this mod? Um, okay, that's not fair. You can't say you have experience and then push it to me who doesn't. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I love this. Like, I haven't tried it yet because it's actually a little bit of a... Um, it looks to be slightly challenging for me, uh, not being the best software guy. But I want to try it, especially on Cyberpunk on, on the ROG Ally and possibly Alan Wake 2, because those are two titles that I enjoy playing that could <clears> use <throat> a few extra FPS to hit my you know, preferential targets. Um, what do you think about it so far? I mean, has is it, is it worked well? Yeah, um, I've actually been playing around with it this past week. Uh, it's locked behind a paywall, a Patreon paywall. Um, the mod creator's name is LukeFZ. I do highly encourage everyone to go and support the guy if you are interested in checking out this mod. The leaked mod is probably just some disgruntled person, but I know that there's another YouTuber out there who is literally just stealing his work, and that's really unfortunate. Oh, man. With regards to this mod, um, I recently actually just posted a video demonstrating some of it in Cyberpunk, as well as Hogwarts Legacy. That one was a 0.6 or 0.5 mod, I can't remember exactly, but there's been a beta release that he just released, I think two days ago, and that one seems to have been able to separate or streamline the HUD, so you don't get that generated, um, you don't get the generated UI that looks all garbled. It actually looks very clean. And so from my testing last night, I had actually been able to get 15 watts, uh, at 15 watts on the ROG Ally, the setting was 800p medium, so with FSR3 and the frame interpolation or frame generation, and that was giving me about 60s to 70 FPS. Wow. Uh, obviously, it's not going to give you like the native level of FPS. Someone who is probably more experienced with like Twitch shooters like CPPC, you probably notice like a little bit more latency, but it actually feels pretty good in my opinion. And so for like 15 watts, you're getting, with the Ally, probably about two and a half hours with Cyberpunk, which is impressive, of course. And so if you plug yourself in and you go up to 30 watts with turbo mode, uh, you can bump up the settings and probably hit around the hundreds even. Wow. it's nuts. Yeah. As for Alan Wake 2, I've not had personal experience with that because I don't own that game. But from the Discord that I'm in, which belongs to LukeFZ... Some users are reporting that it works and it doesn't work, but I think it still has the UI garble issue because um, the mod has difficulty separating those different layers, right? And that's just the unfortunate reality when you're not the game dev. But um, SBC, you probably have a little bit more experience with that on the software side. 
Uh, actually, no, I don't really. But uh, I'm I'm still very impressed by this whole FSR in general and how AMD is is driving this forward. So I noticed it supports quite a few games. Are all of them working, or are they in somewhat of a state of you know some work, some don't? Yeah. So there is a spreadsheet that the community members of his are tracking um that you can see some of them work and some of them not work like it's a huge community effort i mean his community and um it really is a time saver for people who i am in my opinion anyway want to figure out oh i want to play this particular game is going to be supported Uh, i'll give you an example like um i'm looking at the spreadsheet here dead island found it oh yeah yeah uh dead island 2 You know, it says it's supported on the 0.7.1 beta, and then it gives you, like, the requirements that are needed. So, it does, some of the mods for certain games do require some extra document, Mm. uh, extra files to be dropped in, but it literally is pretty much just drag and drop. Like, if you put it in the right stuff, what happens is, uh, and you can see this in my video, I believe, when you open up the game, it pulls up a, a console window or a terminal window. And then it yeah it injects the frame generation right. So with that that is that it has that it kind of makes me wonder is that something that could get you banned in any of these particular games? I know most of these seem to be a lot of offline games, but then I look at something like um, where was it the where's there was one first-person shooter game I did see on there. Oh, there is a Call of Duty on there, but it's crossed out. Ready or not, that was it. So if you're playing something like Ready or Not in a menu, like a like a, if you're using something that has AI anti-cheat, it might recognize something like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, which okay. is also why in my video I specifically mentioned you and getting banned. Um, uh, I, I think- oh, that's that. That was that video. Oh, okay, I did. <laughs> yeah. So okay, okay. So it's not recommended. I mean, in general, um, I'm not sure how familiar uh, you guys are with the frame generation, frame interpolation stuff, or how much you've been following it. But I think in general, there's probably marginal gains to frame interpolation for really competitive stuff. I mean, you would probably have to have such a high base frame rate that it probably doesn't really even justify the need for it. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so far, yeah, sorry. Very interesting. No, I was saying this is very interesting. I, I just, I do, I, I do wanted to bring that up. Yeah. I, I just don't want anybody to get banned. But that's actually really awesome for any of these other games that are just you know single player type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I am all about that hype train mainly because I don't play anything competitive. I'm, I'm way too casual and have way too many skill issues for that. But the reality is, is I think that these types of technologies, if you have a high enough base frame, the way it works for our audience that are not familiar with it, it creates a frame in between each frame that is actually generated by the graphics card. So say you have 60 FPS, you can jump to, let's just pretend 120 FPS. But if you have a base frame rate of say like 20, it's only gonna give you like 40. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna make something playable when it wasn't in an unplayable state just to make it feel smoother exactly so but the way i see it is for our handhelds in particular you know if we're aiming for like 30 40 ish fps on these triple a titles 
it's going to be a nice little bump up if we can get around like 50 to 60. It's, exactly. It's not going to be, you know, a native 50 or 60, but it will still feel uh, pretty good, I think. Yeah. And that's, that's where it's like really interesting to me is because like I said earlier, there's several games on the Ally that are playable. But for me to have a better experience, even 10 FPS would probably get me to where I want to be. Like uh, Forza Motorsport, for example, it's pretty tough to run on any system. It's very GPU demanding. And so implementing something like this, I think it could get you to that like locked 60 FPS that you'd really want. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I will say that that's actually a curious thing that I noticed about that spreadsheet because I have been checking the spreadsheet every day mm -hmm. um, that nobody has any testing information or anything like that on Forza Motorsport or um, Forza 5. It's yes. a little bit curious to me. I see it listed, but I don't see anything there. I see the game listed, yeah, like that's, you said, but nothing's there. That's exactly there. my thought, too. Um, yeah. Sounds like you should give it a try. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see if it works with um, Xbox Game Pass downloads. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's great. That that's interesting. It it should in a in a in a theory, but like, there's always a possibility, doesn't? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other the other side of the coin, I'll say, even though I assume most of our audience is really um, most interested in handhelds, is people on their Discord are trying this mod with, um, you know, like GTX 1060s and like RX 580s. Like we're talking GPUs that are well over six or seven years old and they're having some success with it from what I can tell. So I just see this as a net positive. Oh yeah. And more importantly that the FSR being open source and a community member coming up with some sort of mod like this that does a good enough job in such a short amount of time you know, what's that going to spell for the future? We're going to have a lot of uh, really interesting mods and companies are going to adopt it and we're going to see huge performance boosts as a result. So I'm, I'm really excited for the future of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah likewise. There's a lot of games out there that will be playable for people who can't afford new hardware too. So it's going to really make a lot of people's days. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's move on now um, from the FSR... All right, let's move on now from the FSR 3 talk, um, and let's move on over to the... Let's move on over to uh, the next segment, which is about your favorite handhelds of 2023. Um, SPC or CPPC Tech, which one of you would like to start us off? Uh, I'll let you go first, bro. All right. So oh, I'm sorry, SPC. Um, why don't you give our audience uh, your top three? Maybe like a one-liner for for each. Uh, I um I just recently converted to Steam Deck, and it was Steam Deck OLED was my uh, uh, first experience, and I gotta say, that really has converted me. I have avoided the Steam Deck for a long time, and not having experienced it, it's truly game changer. Um, I personally like to use desktop mode, but the fact that the Steam Deck provides such an integrated experience was mind-blowing. It was just almost like Nintendo Switch level. So I have to really give credit to Steam uh, for making the Steam Deck and then making Steam, the Steam Deck OLED. This has been a wonderful product. Um, even though it doesn't have the performance that the other Z1 Extreme chips have, just the overall experience 
it's it's been wonderful and I'm I'm definitely in love with that. The other two that I would say has got to be the ROG Ally and the Lenovo Legion Go. The ROG Ally really paving the way for uh, mainstream companies going Windows and of course implementing the VRR, which I hope will bring other companies in. And then of course the Lenovo Legion Go coming in. Really wish they had brought VRR, but the fact that they have such a good foundation for hardware, going with the wireless, the docked, a tablet mode, the little trackpad, gyro mode, oh, I'm sorry, gyro and the uh, FPS mode, all that bundled in, you know, they thought ahead to give the hardware to make all that possible. And there's going to be a lot more that the Lenovo Legion, Legion Go can do. So I'm really excited to see what else they bring. So I would say that those are probably my my top three. Yeah, great picks you got there. Um, how about you, CPPC? Uh, well, mine would definitely be the ROG Ally. It's been such an awesome handheld to work with, and then the modability, expandability, and overall just uh, quality on it has been really interesting and really fun. You know, I've made quite a bit of headway in the mods category, and it's been something that it's it's different i don't i don't really see a ton of other besides the steam deck any other handhelds that have that type of mod support already for it so if you're trying to upgrade the nvme for example there's different choices now whether you want to go with the 2230 or you want to even do the 2280 adapter that was something that kind of like held us back in the beginning because it didn't you know it didn't really bode well for some people shoving a NVMe drive underneath your battery and cutting it up. So now there's just drop-in adapters for it. It's pretty cool to see how much has grown out of it in such a short amount of time. And overall, it's been great handheld. You know, there's really not much negative to say about it. Although I could, but I'll try not to. I'll be nice. <laughs> uh, I love the handheld. I think it's. I think it's great. I can't wait to get my hands on something different and you know be able to compare and contrast. I had the Steam Deck prior to that. I was happy with it, but for my use case scenario, the Ally just suited me better being a Windows gamer anyways. Most of those FPS games I play just don't really play well with Steam. So, yeah, I think that's definitely my top handheld of the year. It definitely trumped the Steam Deck for me personally, though. Nice. Uh, do you have... Uh, I know I know your primary experience is with the ROG Ally, and you said Steam Deck a little bit. So would you put Steam Deck as number two and kind of leave three I, blank? I, I would um, potentially, if I would have to say, without having my hands on it, Lenovo Legion Go would probably, for me, top the Steam Deck, though. Like, if I had if I had those three in my hands, just based on experiences of others' specs and what I demand out of a handheld, uh, the Lenovo Legion would either be number two or possibly even number one above the Ally, just because there's a few things that it does better, in my opinion. Gotcha. All right. Um, we got some, uh, yeah, I think popular choices there. Um, I will say for me, number one will also be the Lenovo Legion Go. Yeah, definitely shout out to Lenovo out there. The team has really come together, I think, both with an open line of communication in terms of what their roadmap or their plans are. And the hardware itself is just great. Uh, I think my second pick is Actually, probably, I don't have one, but I think it's probably the Steam Deck OLED. And most of my experience is obviously from the LCD OG Steam Deck. But just as SBC said, I think 
even though it doesn't have that performance tier, everything as an entire package, SteamOS, it's really your handheld console, right? People don't want to deal with Windows shenanigans. That that's the way to go. Yeah. And then um, number three for me, um, I don't know. People would probably people are just going to say I hate the ROG Ally. Uh, but actually, I think I think it's probably has to be the GPD Win Mini. It's um. Uh, I've had it for the past couple of weeks now. I've not been able to spend as much time as I'd like to with it, but the package itself, it's so small. I mean, it's literally, you know, the ROG Ally with the side controls cut off. So while it's not going to be for everyone, uh, I think that the ROG Ally's strong point being portability for one is completely superseded by the GPD Win Mini. Um, so that one would be pick number three for me. And, um, yeah, I think the general consensus between us, though, is that it's the RG Ally Steam Deck and the Legion Go. Yeah. It's interesting you throw the GPD well, Win Mini in there. It is a really nice, compact solution. And I'm really hoping that GPD really starts to try to match these large companies. They've always been a small outfit, and there's always been little issues here and there. Um the GPD Win Mini really attracted me, and you're right that that package is really nice. It's a nice and it's form difficult. Trip. Yeah, it's it's difficult though because like everyone wants something a little bit different. Like um, that keyboard's nice. Some people like to do a little thumb typing, so people are looking for keyboards. So it's nice that you brought the GPD Win Mini into this because that's another option that where people want to do like thumb typing. That's something that's that's a nice feature that the GPD products bring. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you agree. Um, I think GPD's sore point for me is obviously software. I mean, you know, n nobody's making the tools like SPC is. They just have this terrible motion assistant, which has UI from Windows 95. Yeah. Get me started on that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going to move on now to the next little subsegment of this, which is what your favorite technologies are or piece of technology from this year would be that are non-handheld would you like to start us off sbc oh boy i gotta think about that for a moment uh do you have anything uh off the top of your head cppc uh non-handheld technology is that what you were saying non-handheld that's tough that's um, right so like not not a handheld console maybe maybe your favorite maybe the one that you've used the most um, really, it would, you know, what? Probably... you know what, that, that was really unfair of me to throw it on you like that. Um, why don't I start and give you guys some time to think about that? Yeah, we'll have to revisit that because honestly, a lot of the handheld technology I could, you know, talk about, but I really haven't dove very deep. I'll, I'll actually have one for you. The Lenovo laptop that I did the review on that was as far as a, a package, a piece of technology, that whole thing is absolutely insane i don't i don't even have words for it other than it's the best laptop of the year especially when it comes to bang for the buck under 1100 bucks i i even saw one guy get it for under a thousand with some type of medical discount i'm just like mind blown there like that you can get that much in to a laptop first of all and then get it under the price it's pretty insane so i've been playing with it non-stop ever since i've got several other videos I've been making about it and haven't put those up yet, but it's been as far as laptops go, 
the most impressive laptop I've seen, and I've had quite a bit of laptops. They always leave you wanting for more, or they leave you just a little bitter at a few things, but this one hasn't given me any of that. It's been very, very nice, very well done, very well rounded. Yeah, nice pick. Um, after watching your review, checking out the specs and stuff, yeah, I think that's a really good pick. Um, I'll go first, and then uh, or I'll go next in SBC. Hopefully, uh, you have something there for us. Uh, the viewers are waiting. Um, all right, so for me, actually, it's a bit of a toss-up. I think if I really have to pick one, though, it's actually the the Vitcher um, XR glasses that I've reviewed before. Uh, I've I've reviewed a couple of XR or AR or MR glasses before, and uh, I'm I'm pretty well versed, I think, in that that kind of virtual space. But this one, even though it doesn't have all of the specs as some of the competitors, like the X-Real glasses, it has the most cohesive ecosystem. Like they've clearly planned out everything that goes together with it. And for that reason, I think that um, in this domain of XR glasses, I think that one's my favorite. Um, I haven't also been using it as much as I'd like to, but it pairs so well with like our handhelds and, and even a laptop that... I think when the prices of these things come down, I could see much greater adoption for them. Uh, uh, I say it was a toss-up, though, because I really do like my Quest 3 as well, except that oh. that's also quite pricey. Um, there's just no real other competitors. And obviously, the elephant in the room here is that you know people probably shouldn't value their privacy too much if they're buying a, a MetaQuest as well. Mm -hmm. um, you can sign up for it without a, a Facebook account now, though, right? Yeah, you can. But, I mean, all that data is probably still going back to Meta anyway, right? So, Yeah, um, I mean, with all the data leaks we're having anyways. What, <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. It, it could be anything nowadays. <laughs> That's true. So what you got for us, SBC? Oh, yeah, yeah you got me thinking there. Um, it's hard to pull away from the handheld scene because that's basically all the stuff that I look at. But if I had to say something that isn't directly a handheld, but kind of could be used with it, the uh, there's a Thunderbolt KVM switch. And this is a little bit out in the field. But for a long time, um, the technology didn't exist to switch in a solid state some of these high-frequency signals. And so you go and you try and look up for something like, and I've always tried to find like USB switches that'll do like video out. Now they have Thunderbolt KVM switches. So you can plug in two Thunderbolt devices. It's got a built-in hub. I think it's made by Sabrin. And, um, they make good stuff. Yeah. And uh, just the fact that the technology has come to a point where they can do solid state switching on these really high frequency stuff like Thunderbolt. So you could plug like an eGPU into this. You could plug some displays, some accessories. You could plug two different Thunderbolt devices in and switch them. At the click of a button and i think that's that's awesome and that spells a lot for what the future could hold as far as accessories go wow that's interesting so you could basically have three handhelds that support eGPU through through there and have them all sharing that and just switch between them if you wanted yeah just a quick clarification it's only two but there's a usb thunderbolt hub on the back where you could plug in three different thunderbolt accessories nice. but yeah it switches between two devices but yeah Oh, that would be that would be really useful actually especially if you're testing stuff back to back like that you know yeah and when you've got one big monitor and you want everything to go into one it just makes everything a little bit more convenient so 
Nice. That's pretty cool. What are, what are those running as far as retail was? Ooh, I think it was like $350. Yeah, I was imagining it'd be a couple yeah. of dollars. Yeah, it's worth it. Sabrent's making great stuff. Everything I've used from there. Um, NVMe accessory lineup has been really well made. That's a really interesting pick there that you uh, chose, SBC. Uh, I don't think much of our audience is probably that familiar with KVM switches, so a really nice pick there. So what do we got next? All right, so next up we've got some discussions on the new Intel chips, as well as the next Ryzen CPUs, or APUs as they call them. Okay. So the new Intel CPU, I know last week we had talked briefly about the new Core Ultras and that they were going to have to push out a lot of power to keep up with like the Z1 Extremes and some of the other chips. But with uh, this new news story, it was saying that they're already seeing big performance and efficiency improvements with the BIOS update. I'm wondering how much that's going to affect our space. It should potentially uh, show us a good bit of improvement there as well because their new handhelds that we saw last week were using this Core Ultra, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, in terms of handhelds, I'm not sure there were any specific ones. They were laptops, if I'm not mistaken. They were using the Core Ultra 155H, if you can't sense my disdain in the naming. Yeah, um, the naming's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not like, yeah, as, we'll get, as we get to the Ryzen APUs, we'll, we'll know that it's not that much better over on, on the other side. But um, the the M-Door uh, handheld, which was leaked some time ago, I believe was supposed to be based on this type of meteor-like architecture as well. But that actually has a weaker or lower-end uh, integrated GPU, which it was listed as an ARC-5, which actually, according to Intel's specifications, from what I could find off of their website, doesn't exist. Um, all of their chips are in the mobile space are either ARC-4 or ARC-7 um, iGPUs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not entirely sure. Maybe that leak was kind of preemptive. It's not real or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I think we would all like to see a handheld utilize this kind of architecture, though, just to give us something else, uh, something interesting, right? Yeah. Um, the CPU that is referenced here is the Core Ultra 7155H, and the one of the handhelds did use that. It, it was saying it was going to use that. Let me double check, but let's see. Yeah, the M-Door sounds familiar, though. Yeah, the M-Door was, I believe, the first Intel-based chip for this generation, which was leaked earlier. Um, I think it was about a month and a half, maybe two months ago that it was leaked. Um, there wasn't there wasn't much more that has come out on it, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So the One X player, is the one that was going to be using it, and so far, uh, yes. so far it's looking like that's the chip it's going to be using. So if they were able to get this article is saying it was like a twelve and a half percent increase in performance on on Cinebench. You know, that's that's not nothing. You know, it's definitely promising, especially if you can get more efficiency out of it, because that's the one like uphill battle that we're going to face is going to be heat. But you know, if they can get it done at lower wattages, 
or even match the same wattages for the performance that the Z1 Extreme can do, then the heat's going to be more than manageable. So I know there was some other YouTubers that were already trash talking the the handheld space that's going to involve Intel. They're they're already calling it. They're already saying that it's junk, it's trash, it's going to be hard to manage on the heat side. Just overly negative out of the box, and I just really don't want it to be that. I would I would rather it be at least competitive, and I I still am, am standing behind it being well within reason on the heat. I don't think we're going to see those crazy temperatures that some people are predicting. But Hey, man, are you calling me out right here? Like, that's kind of rude. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Not you. Uh, not you. No, I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. I, so one thing about the One Netbook X1 or One X Player X1, um, they actually had a little teaser image, I believe, that was posted on their Discord, I think, and I'm not sure, but they're calling it either the One Explorer X series or something like that, but you're correct. They're using a Core Ultra 7 155H according to their specs. I think hot take for a second, which would be that this is not really a handheld held because it's an 11-inch tablet. Like it's even yeah. people are people are calling like the Legion Go massive, right? But this thing is this thing is literally a tablet. Oh yeah, um, it's definitely a tablet. <laughs> right. So like um is that I mean, did they choose that chassis and that form factor because of its heat or whatever? Like I genuinely hope not. Mm. But and and hopefully, you know, the battery that they're putting in there is sort of a, you know, a perk as opposed to like a necessity for the Intel chip, you, you get I what I'm. You, you get where I'm going. I yeah. see where you go. Hopefully that. not. Okay. Hopefully I'm not. I'm wrong about this kind of like skepticism. You know. Um, I get it. The yeah. the BIOS update that you mentioned earlier is is a good thing because uh, apparently they were just sipping way too much juice, right? Yeah. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, the 155H the um, the rated TDP for it was something like. 20 to 65 watts or something like that and obviously if we don't want any kind of handheld even if it could be managed thermally to be you know choking up the system with 65 watts yeah so like the base power was like 28 watts and the maximum assured power was 65 watts but that that also is for like the full like laptop one the same one that they're using in some of the other laptops they're already starting to show off so i mean it's if it's the same one, it's definitely going to be a spicy CPU. And like you said, then putting it in that 11-inch tablet, handheld, whatever they want to call it, that does seem a little, you know, interesting. But I don't know. They they could squeeze a ton of efficiency out of this thing if they wanted to. It's there for it, it looks like. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm actually just going to... I made the mistake earlier, so I apologize. I'm going to share a link to Intel's actual page where you can see uh, the higher spec the 165 h and then actually mm -hmm. if you search on intel's website you can even see the equivalents like the 155 h the 155 u i believe it is and the u class obviously just like with amd those are the supposed to be the ones that have the lower tdp right yeah i was watching i was looking at this uh 155 h myself on the intel website so it's probably the same one. Then. It's definitely got some power to it, so they're going to need to manage it somehow if it's going to go up to 65 watts there. And it says maximum turbo power is even 115 watts. 
So I wonder what kind of battery this X1 is going to have. This is going to be uh, interesting. Are they going to try and go like uh, Aya Neo, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Kuhn, and try and get it up to like 65 watts, or are they going to play it safe and keep it low? What is the, uh, what's the battery life on that when it's up at like, yeah, the 54 watts or something? Like oh, half an hour or something? <laughs> yeah. Yes, 40 minutes, I don't know. <laughs> Might not, be a little a, rough. Not a very pleasant gaming experience, mobile. No, if anybody if anybody needs those uh generated frames, it, it would be those big big boys. Yep. So the battery that's coming in the Lenovo, not Lenovo, the Asus ZenBook, my bad. The battery that's coming in the Asus ZenBook is a 75 watt hour battery. Okay. Just for just for comparison, and it's using that same chip. Do you happen to know off the top of your head, CPPC, there is some laptop out there that has a 99-watt-hour uh, battery? Have you heard of this? I can't uh, remember which laptop it is. But if I'm not mistaken, that's that's the right under the 100-watt-hour like flight limit. limit, right? Yeah. That's what that is? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Wasn't it the Clevo that they made? It might it? be. It might be. Yeah. Okay. So, like, technically, if you're bringing that laptop on your on a plane and you're bringing a power bank, aren't aren't you like over the limit? I, I know they're probably never going to check that, but like, you are over the limit. Is there you're, a limit to like total amount you can bring? I don't think so. Which is kind of funny, right? Okay, then yeah, I think you should be okay then, right? Yeah, I think it's just the item itself. So if you have two items under the limit, it's fine. I mean, I went on a flight not too long ago, and I brought a bunch of battery packs, and uh, they didn't bat an eye. So maybe it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. That that's why it's also kind of comical what the what the rules are. Um, anyway, um, let's shift on over to the AMD CPUs, the Ryzen eight thousand series. Have you gentlemen heard much about the APUs? I, I skimmed over them and looked like just a fresh coat of paint. I mean, it didn't look like anything spectacularly different. What have, what have you seen or read on it? Yeah, something similar. Nothing uh, crazy. Don't expect uh, huge gains. We're going to have to wait another generation to see if we're going to get anything better. Yes, uh, likewise. Unfortunately, as far as we know, based on the specifications that have been leaked, or I think they're official by now, and uh, with AMD's um, strange nomenclatures also, the next 8000 series APUs are going to have the same uh, GPUs in there. So for the handheld space in particular, for our audience, they're probably safe for buying a, hand, a current generation handheld. Yeah. They won't see really any gains, I don't think, except for maybe on very specific titles that require even more CPU. But we talked about this also last week, right? Um, these CPUs are already plenty powerful. Oh, yeah. We're already hitting a bottleneck on the GPU in most games. We're nowhere close to needing more CPU power in most of the games. So, yeah, won't help much. What are, what are your thoughts, um, both of you, uh, in terms of that... Um, information are you disappointed what do you think i'm not disappointed it was pretty on par with what i was thinking you know we, we've had such huge headway this past year and a lot of new advancements and there's always a little bit of a cooling off period and things to kind of catch back up 
I think there's going to be a lot less demand um, financially as well. You know, a lot a lot of people are going into a little bit of a tough time financially. So I think even if there was some big, huge new CPU that came out with that actually had a better APU on it, it, it wouldn't really sell as well as what they would probably do in another time. I, I think it's good timing if we are going to have a period where we don't see huge advancements. So I think this is kind of the time to enjoy what we have and, you know, let them kind of keep cooking instead of just forcing out something new every year that's only marginally better. I'd rather see a bigger generational leap than just a refresh. Yeah, I'm going to agree with what... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, CPP. Uh, go I'm ahead, SPC. I'm going to agree with what CPPC said. Uh, I would prefer to, to wait and let them get the next generational leap in and enjoy the Z1 extremes that we do have. Let's not force people into new devices. Let's let manufacturers focus on supporting the devices that they do have. Let's not cook out new products. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, gentlemen. Uh, it is curious, if you look at their official slides um, from the Notebook Check article, they're focusing more so on the NPUs, which are the neural processing units. Um, I guess it's a rebranding or relabeling of the XDNA cores. Um, for those uh, unfamiliar or not following the trends, uh, AMD, both AMD and NVIDIA, as well as Intel, they're all chasing this uh, big AI leap or big AI hunt. And so it's not surprising that they're kind of marketing their uh, chips this way. One thing I will speculate um, with, you know, a gigantic tin hat, uh, tinfoil hat on is whether or not these types of NPUs could leverage uh, the cores existing on them or the, or the engines so that we could get better interpolated frames or better generated frames. Yeah, I possibly. Would. I think there's a little bit of a limit to it as well, you know. GPU performance, how much it's cooking out, you know, even if it was demanding or if it was getting more frames in there, it would be better. But honestly, since it's GPU bound, it would be a little different than maybe if you're playing a CPU bound game, it would help being able to cook out more. But I think in, in general, most games are just GPU bound. So the performance difference is going to be really small. Yeah, I agree. I think the disappointing thing, um, and I'm sure you gentlemen would agree with me, is more so about the naming scheme, though, because if you look at what they have listed on their slide deck, it would be easy for someone to look at something like an 8840U and assume that it's immediately better than a 7840U, when in fact, for our handheld purposes anyway, it's probably going to perform exactly the same. The naming scheme is always something that's frustrating, um, and it's just getting worse. They 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 have made it utterly worse. I don't know how they always do, but between them and Intel, it just seems like whoever's in charge of their naming departments is in competition with each other to make it as hard and as confusing as possible for normies to figure out if what they're getting is an upgrade or if it's a side grade or a downgrade. You really don't know. It's really funny that you mentioned that um, because, you know, there was that Intel article that was pushed out claiming that AMD is the one that, you know, creates these kind of strange naming schemes, right? Yeah. I mean, who would you give it to be the winner of that? I mean, honestly, I think Intel is simpler for me to understand, but I also think that it could go both ways. If 
maybe you pay more attention to AMD, for example. No, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, the fact that AMD has that decoder ring thing, I'm not sure if yeah, you've seen that. I mean, the fact that that, that exists is just <laughs> not good for the average consumer, right? I mean, if you have to basically do your homework to figure out which product is better, I mean, you know, kind of ignoring the whole, yeah, smart consumer type of argument. I mean, it just tells you that this this sort of marketing was designed to be deceitful, right? I was just about to say that it's almost like they're designing it so they can kind of like make you feel like you're getting something better every single time. Like we said last week, they should have put more X's and T's and Z's in there. Yeah, just just keep the number rolling. You know, GPU 39 <laughs> is out, guys. But wait, GPU 40 is coming next year. And after that, 41. Give us like a roadmap where we can follow it and not get lost along the way and get our head cut off and thrown in the dumpster. Like I'm going down a dark alley trying to figure out these names. And I can only imagine if other people are looking for the same types of devices and they are not well-versed in this stuff, they're either A, going to get tripped up, buy the wrong thing, or have no idea there's even a difference. Just like the ROG Ally, there's a Z1 and there's a non... There's a Z1 and a Z1 Extreme. And so people are not really even hip to that just yet. And those are just pretty simple. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Although it does sound like you're low-key endorsing a 4080-16 gigabyte model. Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I know that the whole Super TI thing we talked about last week, and there's a few people who are kind of salty about what they're doing, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I still... I still kind of want to see what that 4070 Ti Super is going to be like. <laughs> I hear you. All right. So, sorry, go ahead. I was about to say, that's just a lot in a name, and I, I kind of want it just for the memes. Yeah, they haven't released one of those yet, have they? It would be very curious. No, they've never done a Ti Super. So, I want to get a Ti Super Gaming X something. Like, I, I need as many, I need the name to be as long as possible, okay? So, like, whatever is the... They're, they're going thing, core, whatever. I just want it. I want the longest name so I can say I have the longest one. Isn't isn't that unfortunate that XFS doesn't make uh, NVIDIA cards? <laughs> yeah, they would be the prime target, man. XFX, FX, XX, TI Super. Yeah, let's go for it. Be perfect, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that'll take us to our next topic, which is uh, recalls, RMAs, and other leaks. Uh, CPPC, would you like to lead this one? Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a topic that I was excited and not excited to talk about to begin with. So I am big into, you know, case mods and, and trying to make things look clean. I, I love extended cables and you know cable extensions, anything that's going to make your rig look personalized. However, with the 12 volt high power connectors, I've never liked them from day one. I think the pens are too small. There's too much heat aka resistance going on there and they are just melting i'm sure everyone knows now about the 3080s and 3090s melting most being 3090s uh cable mod has issued i think this is their second recall on this but they've been getting some flack because it's called a voluntary recall um and i don't think many people quite understand the difference between a mandatory recall and a voluntary recall it doesn't mean that it's voluntary for you to send it in or anything like that it's actually completely different it's it's based upon them wanting to get ahead of this and it's it's they're not being 
mandated by the government to do this recall because they were proactive and went ahead and were like, hey, we're recalling these. Send them in. We'll give you a replacement or money back or however they're going to handle that. But in my opinion, you just shouldn't use these. I, I used to be a fan of them on the eight pin adapters and I would use them on tons of GPUs, never had any problems with it, but these are just way too sketchy. If you're wanting to make your uh, case look cleaner and have your GPU uh, looking a little bit more tidy with the cable, get the cable that is made from cable mod for your power supply, uh, preferably a three into one or a four into one. Uh, basically that will give you the best uh, possible chance of not burning something or frying something because I've had no problems with it, but I do think these cable mod adapters are extremely risky. And if you're using one, I would highly advise taking it out, sending it to cable mod um, and just get either a dedicated cable or go back to the factory adapter. Yeah, that's um, some good advice. Uh, just a quick clarification for anyone listening. I'm sure you meant uh, 4080s and 4090s. Yeah. Um, for those out there who have not really been following the scene very closely, um, Northridge Fix, which, um, if I'm not mistaken, is a contractor or works directly with CapoMod, had had yeah. several 4090s uh, burn up. Mm -hmm. And there was um, you know, a big story that blew up with Gamers Nexus. And they had sort of gone back and forth as to, you know, who, who is, is to blame fault? or who should take responsibility. And I actually had a debate with um, one of the channel members on my on my Discord previously about, you know, who should be taking responsibility for these type of things, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's user error or whether it's a manufacturing defect, uh, that, that sort of thing. And it kind of, and I think this kind of bubbles up to, like, RMA processes and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um I think a lot of people looked at the Gamers Nexus investigation video about the 12-volt high power connector and said, well, yeah, it's user error. But Northridge Fix kind of presented an interesting debate, which to me kind of changed my opinion on it. Yep. My thinking was exactly what um, he said in that if you have enough of these faults, I mean, how can you really say that it's user error? Like, it's just poorly exactly. designed, right? Exactly. Um, just like um, now we're, we're also seeing a lot of these, um, you know, cracking uh, PCBs on, on the graphics cards. I mean, mm. if enough of these happen, and I mean, it doesn't have to be a significant amount. I know that we might look at something and say, well, it's only 2% or 3% or something. But if it's like, if 2% is in fact like, you know, five digit numbers, I, I think that's significant enough to warrant some kind of investigation to suggest that you're right this yeah. thing was improperly created right yeah. and i mean just to get even more kind of uh conspiratorial there was a story i'm not sure if either of you had seen this um i think it's several months old now at this point but they were saying that nvidia quietly rolled out a revision mm -hmm. to the connectors on their cards yeah they did so, I mean, if they are doing that and they are the, um, they are the ones that list these specifications, I mean, I don't know. I can't help but think that there's something there. Um, it was more along the lines of they kind of knew that under certain scenarios, it, and this is just me spitballing. I'm not speaking on behalf of them. I'm just speaking on both hypothetical, analytical, and just hearsay. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. From what I understand, I'm going to be 
careful here. Uh, from what I understand, they kind of knew um, that the quote unquote user error was possible. But here's also the flip side to that. If, if you have uh, experiments and you're just experimenting, trying to get something to happen, trying to make something fail, and you do it enough times, that's always going to present itself. There's always a point of failure for something, whether it be bending it, breaking it, dropping it, lighting it on fire or whatever. But the chances of it are what really matters. So anything could be a 1% and it'd be fine. But if something is 5%, 6% and it just keeps growing, then it's dangerous. And this, in my opinion, is dangerous, but with a caveat. The mo most of the failures that I have seen analytically, just like me talking to people, uh, watching and seeing what's going on, they're not user errors. They're not user errors. Most of these people are very tech savvy people who know to check their cables, they know to plug them in, and they're not just, you know, buying some pre-built off the shelf and calling it good. They're actually the ones building it. They know what's inside their rig. They knew about the cable being tight. So it's definitely not a user error um, in, in that aspect. What I'm seeing is heat. When you introduce more resistance onto an electrical load, for example, if you're building a car stereo, um, and I've, I used to do this a ton as a kid, I was huge into this. If you were to make the, the mistake of cheaping out on your wiring kit, for example, and you wanted to run a car stereo that you know booms, makes all the bass, you need a super thick power wire to go from your battery to your amp. A lot of people buy those cheaper, cheaply made uh, amp kits that come with much thinner uh, gauge wire and it can't handle the draw and the current and it will burn up. You will actually create a fire because there was so much heat and resistance in that cable. I think the same thing is happening here. We had the pin size drastically reduced and closer together. So these pins are not only... Uh, tinier in, in, in thickness, they're closer together. And you also have thinner walls surrounding those for the plastic uh, shielding that they have in the cable connectors, whatever it is, plastic or whatever. But those are, are getting kind of hot. Now, if you look at it another way, you got to do the adapter that it comes with. Now, the adapter makes your power supply go from uh, two or three or four little uh, inputs for the eight pin connectors and some people are daisy chaining them you know they might only have three connectors on their power supply and two of them are daisy chained together so they have to do that um that can introduce more resistance and more heat there's a lot of things that can happen but the fact is if you want to safely do it and i have yet to find a single person that has melted theirs this way running a running a cable directly from your power supply to your gpu don't use the NVIDIA adapter, don't use an angled adapter, and you'll be completely fine. I have yet to see a single person have a failure that way. And that's the way I've said since day one that I would recommend it. But the fact that Gamers Nexus tried to call it a user error, created this much division, and hasn't apologized. He, I love Gamers Nexus to death. Steve, if you're listening, you're a great guy. I really appreciate your work. But I do think you owe it to people to come back and revisit the topic at the very least. I'm hopping in here from a manufacturing perspective. I do have some experience with that. Yeah. And when they when they design stuff, there's got to be reliability testing done. And there's got to be ways to test to see how the users can screw stuff up. Yeah. And and there's there's methods out there where manufacturers follow this and seeing that oh it's a user error, they're not inserting it in well enough or something like that. That should have been identified during the development cycle. Mm. 
and that should have been taken out, designed out. So I'm I'm with you there. It's it's kind of lame that this is all you know chalked up to user error and and they're quietly releasing new adapters and yeah, it sounds like something that should have been designed out in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think that as these things just keep getting pushed to the limits, uh, I think the other day, if I'm not mistaken, I saw an 18 or maybe 2,000 um, watt power supply. I mean, someone could literally blow their house up, if not, um, you know, blow up some breakers of some kind. And so, yeah. I mean, if anything, it, it's kind of ironic in a way because I think it kind of pushes to the uh, complete opposite, whereby... People are looking for more efficiency, uh, especially with the increasing uh, prices everywhere of uh, electricity and gas. Yep. Yep. Right? Efficiency is the way to go. I, I don't think people need to start, you know, thinking about anything else performance-wise until they can dial down how much power and heat these things are putting out because these these CPUs are just getting hotter and more and more demanding, and you know, there's only so much power people can put out on a grid you know if every year our computers get more and more demanding then they'll start saying you know well hey they'll do a california thing where they'll limit what gpu you can buy i think oh, california boy. did that during the mining craze they were trying to limit systems from pre-built companies with the 4080s and 4090s yeah i, I don't remember, know if you all remember yeah, that i do remember that yeah isn't yeah. it a, isn't it kind of isn't it kind of ironic that like all these things are like the old the the old the uh, age-old AMD space heater, like those, uh, <laughs> what, like the R9 Fury or whatever that was, um, nope. and then, um, and then, and then, like, kind of on the flip side. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not endorsing mining or anything, but it's like miners actually want things efficient, right? So they, oh, they yeah. probably don't want these things blowing up their houses. Yeah, yeah. The first thing you do when you go mining is you set up the power profiles. You set up how much you know OC on your RAM and how much underclock you're going to put on the the GPU side because it's usually going to be at least like a negative 150 or negative 200 on the core and then like plus 1200 on the RAM and then you dial the power usage down. You undervolt it so like you're you're maximizing how much bang for your buck you're going to get and you know most people who don't really have an understanding of mining won't know, but you know, you don't just plug your GPU in and hit eat, you know, that's how you burn them up, but ain't waste money. So tuning is everything. Some people will spend hours and hours and days tuning a GPU. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, go I ahead. I to get back to a point you were going to say, you know, we've got the power supplies that go up to 2000 Watts. At some point, they're going to make guides that say, well, before you upgrade your uh, computer, let's uh, upgrade your breakers so you can handle <laughs> your new computer. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I could see that actually happening. You know, what you're going to need to do is plug it into a 210 or 220. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Be sure to unplug your washer and dryer as well yeah. as yeah. the dishwasher, uh, unless you want a nasty call from the power company. Yeah, sorry, Mom. Can't dry clothes now. I'm gaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Power starts flickering already when I turn my, my certain games on in my house. If I got my, my overhead light on, I'll turn on Modern Warfare, and then at the menu, I see the light flicker, and I'm like, oh, crap. i to turn that on. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, speak, um, let's move on over now to uh, our other topic, um, some leaks uh, regarding um, a Nintendo Switch... Uh, excuse me, a Nintendo Switch flash card. Oh, yeah. That, one, that one's an interesting one. Did you guys have a chance to read that one yet? Yeah, a little bit. 
Uh, I saw some people dismissing it a bit, saying that uh, it might show some issues with some games when you log on, something mm. about some sort of key between yeah. downloaded and cards and stuff that uh, Nintendo could track and see that you're using a uh, stolen image. Yeah, immediately they're going to be able to tell if you're using one of these or not. So if you're going to use one of these, and I don't condone piracy at all, I, I do not, like, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but in theory, if you were going to do a book report on how to do it successfully, I would say in your book report that you should talk about not getting on the internet with these at all, like, ever, ever again. If you're, if you're going to use this on a handheld uh, on a Switch and you want it to successfully work and never, like, stop, just tell yourself internet gaming is done that'd be the only way i would ever see this thing working um for an extended period of time because the second nintendo gets one of these in their hands they're going to immediately figure out an update for it and figure out how to patch it but the game keys themselves uh that should be able to be worked around hypothetically um having wink wink no experience with modding switches i can tell you that it's not hard to do a soft mod if you have the right one, but the fact that they've got the flash cart like the old school stuff can do is even more interesting. I'm pretty sure they're going to be like removed off marketplaces immediately too. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that and you brought this article up to our attention because uh, I think maybe Nintendo or Google or somebody saw me like reading up in this story because some videos started popping up on my home feed on YouTube about people just getting like sued into oblivion by yeah. Nintendo. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's why I don't do any Nintendo content. I don't do any emulation content yeah, because that's, that's I that's completely understandable. Yeah. I know people who have had great success with it, but I also know a few people on the flip side who didn't. It's scary messing with Nintendo. That's the nice. Yeah. It's very much like the nice. Go ahead. SBC. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it, if you're risk-adverse, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, are you guys going to check it out, or maybe for a book report, check it out? Yeah, I'll pass. Nintendo Switch really isn't my uh, cup of tea. I mean, we're here for uh, Windows handouts for the most part. Yeah, true. So I do have uh, a Switch emulation guide. Nintendo, if you're listening, there's nothing there that you can actually see. Um, and this is all done legally through legally dumping ROMs from your Switch, which, unfortunately, Nintendo, also, if you're listening, Miyamoto, why did you make this harder to do? It's not illegal to do it from your own device and using your own games. Anyway, um, I think that someone who does want to pursue this uh, is just as much as treading, uh, you know, kind of going on thin ice, as much as anyone making the content creation, because, uh, you know... Nintendo really doesn't like these types of things because you're going after their bread and butter, understandably. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to not get it just for the simple reason that, like, there's not a lot of Switch games that interest me. And, like, the one or two Switch games we buy a year, we just buy them so we can share them on our consoles. Like, I, I play it for maybe, like, a month, and then the wife plays it, and then that's about it. So we don't really do as much Switch stuff as we used to back when they came out where it was like all new and fresh and fun, but it's kind of meh, you know. I think it's cool for people who want to bring all their games um, in one little, you know, device, I guess, and not have like a whole pocket full of games. If you're going to travel for an extended period of time, I could see the usefulness of it, um, not needing the physical game itself, but I don't know. I just, I have my doubts that it's going to exist for very long. 
Yeah. Um, so, sorry, SBC. Go ahead. I was going to say, as a father of uh, kids who have a Nintendo Switch that ended up dropping all their cards in the back seat, mm. man, having it all on one card would have been amazing because I had to fish two or three out from deep in a seat. <laughs> oh, man. I uh, found a Nintendo uh, DS game when I was cleaning out my wife's car. And uh, she's owned that car for better part of five years. We bought it from a dealership, and uh, they had they had had kids. I was gonna say owned kids, but <laughs> they had kids, and I guess the game had been in there for the last five years. So I I was like, man, people wow, do be dropping these. Was it a good game? No, some kind of uh, some kind of Barbie game or something like oh, that. It, it was okay. it, it was something silly. I looked it up on eBay. I was like, hey, I could sell it. And it was like three dollars. Yeah, yeah. But, but still, yeah, yeah. I hope you got all your games out. Yeah, we did. Yeah, pair of pliers and everything. Yeah. Yep. Yikes. Yep. Yeah, SBC, you bring bring up a great point. And this is all the more reason why I think at least archivists would argue that um, they want to have a digital backup of yeah. the product that they already purchased, right? And there are plenty of Steam Deck owners out there who use their device as this kind of all-in-one device. You don't carry around, you know, your Switch in addition to your Game Boy Advance or your Game Boy Color or whatever. You just use this one device, and there's a lot to love about that type of uh, setup. Mm. Yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, yeah. that that said, um, yeah, don't advertise that to Nintendo because they probably won't like that, even if you're doing it legally. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a fine line, but I, I just generally stay away from emulation for the most part. I I think if we could come up with an idea for Nintendo to, to kind of give us PC players, I, I, I would say, man, give us like a Game Pass type deal with our, our Nintendo games. Um, you know, I think that would cut down a lot of the emulation if there was some type of way to play our Nintendo games on the PC. Even if we had to pay a hefty price for them, I'm like 90% sure most people would still like have a, a better shot at doing that than pirating the games or however they might be getting them. That's not a bad idea. Although I will say that um, since Nintendo is not too happy about putting their own titles on their own eShops, I'm not so sure that that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, they're not doing that on the eShops? No, they, they close their eShops. Yeah, they do. Really? Was it the Wii U Wii Shop just closed or yes, something? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yep. Yep. So the Switch one, you can't get the Switch eShop? Do they not have that? No, that that, that exists. That's fine. Oh, but okay. what we're saying is, say there's a download update. Uh, there's a DLC or whatever the update that's needed from mm -hmm. that eShop. Uh, it's closed for like the oh. Wii U. So you can't actually get... There's no legal means for you to do so at this point. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah, if if they're going to abandon the games, then it should be open market at that point. Yeah. All right, so let's move on over to um, some of our uh, final discussions uh, for the night. Um, I will push this over to SBC um, and uh, also, as a point of discussion, talk about what our next projects are. So something that I've been working on... Um AMD has a wonderful uh, software development kit for their driver, and there's another programmer that goes by the name of James CJ, and if you're not familiar with it, he makes some software called Universal Tuning Utility, Extreme Tuning Utility. 
And it's another one of those handheld friendly uh, software, but um, in order to integrate better with AMD devices, he had made some code that integrated with the drivers so you could change stuff rather than going through the AMD software. I've done some stuff. We've just made it uh, open source on GitHub, so um, we can leave a link to that in here as well. But for developers, it's going to be great. It's going to make it easily accessible to get something where you can just make the changes you want on the AMD driver. That's like RSR, um, integer scaling. Uh, I think there's a few other things that go that goes on in there as well. But it's to make it more available for everyone. And right now, ROG Ally and Lenovo have some pretty good integration with the AMD driver. But making this available so that if they wanted to, it would be easier for them to integrate with. Take the code, whatever, for future handheld companies. They want to integrate with the AMD driver. They can take it as well. It's just going to make everything better for everyone who's using an AMD device. Nice. Awesome, man. Yeah, uh, James CJ um, does the Universal x86 tuning utility, which I gave a little guide uh, about on um, in terms of uh, for optimizing your RG Alley. He has two versions, right? He has the x86 tuning utility and then a handheld version, right? Uh, I haven't kept up with what he's developed. The x86 one was one that I helped with a little bit, so... I was yeah, actually I, really curious about that one. Maybe you would know there was some kind of FSR integration, right? Uh, yes, there was an open source project called Magpie, and he integrated um, he integrated that into one of his projects. Yeah, yeah, Magpie has me really interested. I've not personally used it, but I've heard a ton of buzz around it. I think if we could get something like that uh, implemented in an easy fashion, because I don't know about you gentlemen, but I've not really had that much success with using RSR. And no, I'm not making the mistake of trying to enable that and the in-game FSR. It just doesn't seem to work that well. Yeah, it didn't do much for me either. So um, so for our listeners out there, if you're um, unfamiliar, and uh, SBC, please correct me if I'm mistaken, uh, RSR is based on FSR 1.0, which is uh, a more global imp- implementation than, say, something like FSR 2.0, which has to be implemented by the game developers. And so because they are both a type of S- FSR technology, they will fight each other or they can't be used in tandem. I believe you're correct. Right. And so anyone who's on their ally, for instance, and you're playing whatever game that is that has, and you've enabled FSR in the game, if you're trying to use RSR in the overlay or even in the AMD driver, it's not going to work or, you know, you're just not going to get great results. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, however, um, people have reported that they get better, um, results with, uh, uh, the name I believe is Ryzen image scaling. R-I-S? R-I-S, yes. So that one people I've heard uh, do a little, uh, they get a little bit better results uh, with. And um, uh, NVIDIA has the same type of technology, if I'm not mistaken, it's the NIS. Got it. Yeah, I've used x86 tuning utility before. Uh, By the way, uh, circling back to that, and it it was a pretty good program uh, for overclocking, but I was, because the CPU is already so powerful in the Ally, I was unable to really see big gains in any games. So is that something you've you've messed around with on the GPU side as far as overclocking the GPU? Because I I didn't really want to push it too hard 
but I was curious to know if there was anything I was leaving out on the table. I have tried this, um, and you can absolutely soft brick your device if you set your clocks too high. Mm-hmm. And so you, um, anyone who is using um, that utility, uh, I don't think you can do it in the other types of overlays like handheld companion. Um, but in x86 tuning utility, you absolutely can if you set the clock too high. Because what will happen is you'll turn on your ally or whatever handheld it is, and then x86 will take over and try to mm-hmm. push the clocks as high as it possibly can. And then right. it'll just and you'll just constantly crash your GPU, which means you know you can't use your device. Yeah. Uh, um, so so you know, word of caution to anyone who wants to try that out there. Um, you absolutely can just you know pay attention to what the clocks are for that iGPU. So did you get any extra performance when you messed around with it? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I did. I mean, if okay. if it was there, it was not like immediately observable. Got it. So I was able to push the CPU slightly faster in synthetics. Like I think my highest sentiment score is like. 16,400. That was like the closest I could get to anything uh, that I would worth. I would say I would recommend it for benchmarks. (laughs) I couldn't get any actual in-game performance. It seemed to make Modern Warfare crash. A few other games, it it liked it and it didn't like it at the same time. But it was like nothing notable. So I never ventured back into trying it after that. And I didn't know... You know, I keep hearing the name brought up here and there, and I'm like, did they make other headway that I wasn't aware of? I think if you do a lot of, like, tinkering, you could probably make it so that if you park some cores or you limit the CPU's power, and then you set your GPU clock, you could probably get a little bit more out of it, out of the Mm -hmm. APU. Um, This is just speculation, but that would probably be, like, a kind of desktop scenario overclocking. Um just because, you know, the um, for our listeners, the APU has to share the power. And so typically when you put more power into the APU, like you pump up the TDP, um, the CPU is the one that gets, gets the power. It just eats all of it up. And so limiting that side of it and giving a little bit more breathing room to the GPU is what's going to um, benefit in theory anyway. Um, I just haven't done it personally because I don't think it's worth the effort for probably the marginal three to maybe 5% gain. Yeah. It's something that's cool to tinker with though. I will say I I did have fun tinkering with it when it first came out. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess adding a little bit more on the GPU side and taking them on the CPU side actually would net probably a little bit more noticeable gain than just trying to add it to either one by itself. Probably the most tangible and immediate benefit from doing this kind of uh, tinkering or, um, you know, manual clocking is from the emulation side. Although it's kind of a catch-22 because you want to have a fixed GPU clock, but also a lot of these emulators are CPU heavy. And so, like, you know, we don't have the, the, we don't have the Ioneo Kuhn or Ioneo Quinn. And so you're not going to push these devices to have 54 watts unless you're using smokeless or something in your rg ally but but then if you do that you probably need cppcs knocked to a fence yeah you probably do mm-hmm. want to keep it cool at that point because i will say adding more power onto the cpu side definitely made the temps rise so having that fan is only only positive at that point so yeah 
So what's our, uh, what's our, didn't we have one more topic on that thing? Um, yeah. Continuing the topic on what project are you working on right now? CPPC. Um, so I am actually working on a few things. One of the, one of the things that I'm actually about to work on is trying to refurbish some GPUs. I was thinking about doing a video for people who have older GPUs that may not be working very well, or maybe overheating. And I was trying to come up with a, a good method for people to take apart those that haven't done it before. And they, want to dive into that so i think it'd be a fun video for people to watch and then i've got a couple more laptop videos coming and some accessories and stuff like that too very nice thank you um cool. project sbc uh, was there anything else you wanted to share about your projects nope i'm still chugging along with my software and uh, that's got a lot of my attention so more to come sounds good um on my end uh, i'm still plugging away at the ROG Ally six-month uh, review. Uh, after that, I've got some more reviews related to those Vitcher XR glasses I mentioned. And eventually, I'll get to the review for the GPD Win Mini. There's a lot of content to come from all of our channels, so uh, we do encourage you to stay tuned and also check out the Handhelds United YouTube channel, where you can also potentially see new content like this one as well as on Spotify, if you're just listening to this. Before we wrap up, I would like to ask both of you if there's any games you're playing or you plan to pick up for the Steam Winter Sale. Well, I've actually been playing the Ready or Not. Uh, that game is awesome. I actually am really excited about that. I want to try to play it on some other systems, but if anybody is looking for something new and different, whether it be VR or in, you know just keyboard mouse, it's pretty fun, actually. It's pushed me into keyboard mouse gaming, and I am not a keyboard mouse gamer at all. Um, I always play controller. So it's kind of like broadened my horizon a little bit and kind of made me a little bit more interested in this aspect of gaming. It's a very fun game, very detail-oriented. I was going to say, I haven't really been a mouse keyboard gamer, and I've usually typically used a controller as well. So the fact that you said that this game's kind of pushed you into using a mouse, that's kind of got yeah. my, my curiosity peaked. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, for any other game, I would never have done it. I would never have done it. But the game itself is that good and that fun that it makes me want to be better at it now. I might have to pick it up. Yeah. Play it. What about you, SPC? I have not been playing games. I have been very much focused on software, so... You know, time's time's limited, and software has my interest. So, no games for me. Understandable, very very much so. Well, we thank you for your hard work. And uh, for me, uh, eventually, I will finish one game in my backlog. Uh, the one game I'm looking at right now is actually Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma Two should be coming out. Uh, quarter one, if I'm not mistaken, sometime in March or April. And I know there's a lot of hype and buzz around that game. And so I'm trying to reimmerse myself with Dragon's Dogma 1, even though I never beat that game. And I had it, uh, I think, on PS3 way back in the day. Or maybe it was PS4. Um, so that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Um, Joe should be back for our official launch at the, end of, uh, at the start of the new year on January 7th. So we encourage you to check out that podcast. should be called the Handhelds United Handhelds Undone podcast. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and on Spotify. Thanks for listening.